Welcome to Diary of a Professional Tennis Coach with Mark Gellard and Candy Reid. Hello and welcome to this latest edition of Diary of a Professional Tennis Coach. My name is Candy Reid and on today's pod we've got a great interview with the coach of Yelena Ostapenko who's already won two WTA titles this year. Stanislav Komarski details his work with Yelena and how he got into the business. That's coming up later. But first, it's time to check in with our resident pro, Mark Gellard, and find out where in the world he is this week. Hey, Candy. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining, as always. Currently, as we record this, I am in Doha. Um, the tournament starts today, although we don't actually begin our matches until tomorrow. We came from last week in Abu Dhabi. Had a, a, a productive week, I would say. Um, made the semifinals of the doubles and the singles we won a round had a nice win against a, a, a young up-and-coming player um alexandra iala from philippines had a nice win there in straight sets and then probably played the best match that i've ever been part of with magda since she's played uh we lost 6-1 in the third to beatrice haddad meyer yeah. which is obviously disappointing to come out on the wrong side of it but you have to appreciate the good tennis and sometimes there's someone down the other side who just plays better than you did that day but it was a I think they set the record for although it's a young year so far it's the longest longest match I think this year three hours right. 44 something and like you would that. look so. at that scoreline wouldn't you six one in the third and say well it was a bit of a whitewashing but it wasn't that set was almost an hour's length I think yeah the third set was 57 minutes and it was if you go back and watch it it had I mean first game we had break points last game of the, the match we had break points there was a lot of tight games 57 minutes was longer than a lot of the matches were going last week. So <laughs> it was a really, it was a physical battle. And I actually thought the biggest testament to Magda's character was after losing the first set 7-6. It was about an hour and 25 minutes for the first set. And I think we lost the tie break 8-6 or 7-5. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one where you often see 7-6, 6-1. And we, we were able to regroup after that first set and get back and win the second set 7-6 and then lost the third. So... Uh, it was disappointing to lose, but a really good match and a good week in doubles. So hopefully I think that the screws started to turn in the right direction for us this last week. And hopefully in Doha, we can continue the momentum. We'll come back to Doha in just a minute. I'm just interested to, to how you think you can beat Haddad because she seems playing against her. It's sort of like death of a thousand cuts where she is this tall player who grunts a lot. I'm not sure about how hard she's actually hitting it, but she's so accurate and she's so much a, of a competitor and she's so positive. Well, the first thing with with Hadaj Meyer is I think she's probably one of the most physically tough. I think she has the most number of three set matches on the tour. I think you're and right. Often sets records in the length <laughs> and the duration of the match. So she's so physically good. You know, I mean, by the end of the match, Magda looked like she'd been hit by a bus. And Haddad looked like if we played another set, it was just going to get easier and easier for her. We looked, yes, there was just no chance that we were going to beat her physically in that exchange. And I'm not saying that as a negative on Magda. It's just Haddad is just so physical. It's incredible. And she's also you know, a big girl. I mean, she's probably six foot one. One, I, I think. Say. Yeah, she is over it. Strong. So strong. And then the bit, the part about her, which is so impressive, is her mental. It just doesn't matter what the situation is. She has the same attitude. You never see her get down on herself. She's so tough. So you're looking down the other side of the court, seeing this girl that's not tired, 
mm. ready to go and never you can never seem to get on top of her and i think that that's um it's a really tough task to beat her i think players that are going to give her trouble are players like magda that are really strong off the backhand side in that backhand uh exchange with her forehand cross court i think that right. could be a problem for her because and her is lefty exactly and then i think the players that can really um you know attack her i mean she's i think a faster court would would be more advantageous for us but um there's not a lot of e there's no easy way to beat her that's for sure mm, just got to really dig in so that was abu dhabi um now you're in doha how are the tournaments different uh, what are you experiencing so far well, Doha is a thousand level event, so it's a step up from the 500 last week. And um, so far, we've had really just two short practices. Believe it or not, everywhere we've come in the UAE right now is raining. <laughs> so um, they keep telling us it only rains once or twice a year. And it rained three times last week in Abu Dhabi and <laughs> it rained all day today. So it's been tough to get practice, but the court's a little bit slower. Balls are the same, which is nice, keeps the continuity for the players. Um, but yeah, the court's probably playing a little bit slower, but as a as a facility in the way the tournaments run, this is up there with with one of the best out there. I mean, the, the hotels are fantastic. The transport, um, the food is probably the best of the year, maybe up, you know, putting it in a tie with Madrid. Mm. Um, so it's really great food. We have electronic line callings on every, on every court, hitting partners available, plenty of practice courts. So as a, as an overall event, it's brilliant. I'm actually not commentating on Doha here because I'm on an ATP event in Delray Beach. But I remember commentating on Doha last year and the outside courts are very, very windy. I think the biggest negative here is is, is probably the wind. And unfortunately, for different reasons, there's not as many fans as you would probably like to have. That The atmosphere isn't as, as buzzing, for example, as an in Indian Wells, which is a thousand level or even Miami. Yet outside courts can be very windy. You know, we have sometimes stopped here because of sandstorms and things like that, because it just mm. gets too dangerous to play in. But overall, if uh, if the weather's cooperative, which it usually is, it's an excellent event to be at. So you really want to play on the bigger courts, aren't you, which are more sheltered. But then, of course, if you're playing on the bigger courts, you're probably playing against a top seed. So there's there's give and take. <laughs> exactly, yes. And we have no easy task this week uh, playing now Hibino, who's a Japanese player that we've played, I believe, eight times in the past. Oh. So we know her quite well and she knows us. I think we're split at four and four on the head-to-head -head right now. So She's tricky, um, isn't she? Good tennis IQ. Tricky. Very good. She volleys well. She's got a nice backhand. She she can really move move the ball around and moves well. So it won't be, it'll be a battle out here, especially on the slower courts and and she obviously had a solid win yesterday in three sets over Tamir Babos. So it's not going to be a, a, an easy match, but one we'll be ready for. So now it's time for our guest of the week. And I'm delighted to say we've got Stanislav Kamarski. He's the uh, coach of Yelena Ostapenko, who's just won Linz. That was her eighth career title mark. And she seems one of those players, Ostapenko, doesn't she? That doesn't matter what surface, she can win against anyone. Yes. From the back of the court, she's one of the most aggressive, hard-hitting ball strikers. There's no way through her. And the harder you hit, the faster the ball comes back. So <laughs> it is really tough to, to beat her. Um, there's no easy way around that. Again, she's she's another sort of, in some. it's a different game, but sort of like a Hadaj Maya. She's a physically intimidating, just in a different way. She hits such a big ball. I think the biggest thing with her is trying to get her off balance is so difficult. And the same with her dad. Uh, you just cannot get these girls off balance. And that really, you know, they always seem to have a foot behind the ball. 
when they're hitting. So it's it's really, really difficult against them. But she can win on I, I don't think you'd want to play Elena on on any surface, whether it's grass or clay. I mean, obviously she won the French Open. But yes. now she's won indoor on Linz. I wouldn't want to play her on grass either. I think she's a great player. She's got a couple of titles on grass. Birmingham last year and Eastbourne as well in 2021. As you said, she won Roland Garros 2017. She's got a title in Seoul, in Luxembourg, in Dubai, and then a couple this year in Linz and Adelaide. So she's a woman on a mission back into the top 10. And so we spoke to uh, Stan about how they got together and his coaching philosophy. Let's have a listen. How do you like the emotional roller coaster of going through matches, all the highs and the lows? Fine, fine. I really <laughs> like it. I really like it. Like sometimes even more than the ATP because before I was working in ATP with mm -hmm. Alex Dolgopolov. For we were like best friends from years. Oh. Like for, yeah, and his father was my coach, so I started my professional coaching career oh. with uh, Alexander and his father. So I was oh, like, oh, that's incredible. Yeah. All right. So how did you first get into coaching? I don't know, one of my friends just asked uh, ask me to help him with the kids because I was after university thinking what to do and some, doing some kind of business. And then um, I started to work and then Alex Senior, who is the Dolgopolov's father, he just took me to help him as the assistant coach. Okay. And so I'm really thankful for him to give me that uh, chance to work, to start to work with the professionals. Where did you go to university? Where did you grow up? Uh, Ukraine, Ukraine, yeah, Kyiv. Yeah, okay, so. and you went to University of Ukraine in yeah, Kiev? Yeah, 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 sport and university. Were you a yeah. tennis player? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How far did you get? Not not far at all because I started a bit, uh, I started a bit uh, late, yeah, and uh, yeah, so I didn't go far. But you were obviously good enough that um, Alexander's father thought you had potential as a coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He what do you think he saw in you? I don't know. He just told me one time that I think that you can be a good coach, and he helped me with like with a lot of stuffs, like with a lot of. Uh, he he just shared with me a lot of experience, and of course I was traveling, started to travel with Alex and with him together, mm -hmm. and then at one point I just started to travel with Alex uh, alone yeah. without him. Yeah. Are you able to, when you're at the tennis court, simply concentrate on tennis, given what's happening? Yeah, I'm I'm okay with that to because as you know Luda is my fiance mm -hmm. as well. Not only I'm coaching uh, I'm coaching Alona, helping a bit Luda, but also we're living together with Luda. So <laughs> it's like sometimes it get difficult because it's everything is mixed. But I'm like really happy with that and every day is like new experience mm -hmm. with the girls and I hope we're doing well. So. Well, you're doing really well. And you said Yelena um, Ostapenko's name is Alona, isn't it? To her yes. best friends. And you yeah. called her Alona. Yes, Alona. Yeah. Okay. And then yeah. Ludmilla is a Ludo. 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 And that's Ludo. your fiance. You've been engaged for a little while for, now. For last, uh, we did it last summer. But okay. again, because of the situation, hard situation in Ukraine, it's difficult for us to manage with the documents to mm -hmm. make the it's official. So now I'm... Well, I'm trying to do it through the embassy in Slovakia where we're staying right now. Okay. Yeah, so I'm trying to do it through the embassy and it takes a bit of time to make it more official. I remember, I think Marina Zanevska, who also was from Ukraine and represents Belgium, got married in Las Vegas, didn't she, because of the situation? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So she yeah. <laughs> took desperate yeah, measures. Yeah, yeah. So you've been working with Alona or Yelena Ostapenko for how long? Uh, we started 2021, mm -hmm. we started 2021, then 
we had a bit of break like for six months i was uh, helping and working with marta kostyuk yeah i remember yeah. that last yeah. australian open yeah 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 and then we started to work with elena again after roland garris so and how is her game because obviously i think she was um, the most attacking player on the wta tour last year i think the numbers bear that out so very attacking game what specifically do you work with her on getting better i think the most part of her is like the mental mm -hmm. uh, mental uh, conditions yeah and also of course like uh, to clean up the ground strokes to work on the ground stroke of her best patterns so that is what we are doing and she's a major champion. Do you think she can win another major? Because I personally uh, uh, do. I, I'm sure. I'm sure that she can win another major, mm. not one. Do you, what surface do you think she'd win one? Because she's got a, a Roland Garros title on the clay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but can uh, she win on the hard courts? Yes, I think she also can be good on, and she's good on the grass court. She's really yeah, good on yeah, the grass. Yeah, so it doesn't matter for her about the surface. I think she can win anywhere. It's just a matter of time and the matter. Now she's good, doing the big steps forward and I think she will win it. Mm. Oh, well, I'm excited to see that. Just going back to your coaching, uh, how do you think you've changed or developed as a coach from starting point to now? Difficult one? Yeah. You, your philosophy must have changed though, or the way you deal with things, your uh, communication? I, communication and I don't think like don't, don't think like it's some I have some philosophy of coaching because every player is different mm. and you need to find a way how to improve him and how to uh, make that microclimate in the team that everything will go well so I think it's for me it's like the every day is new and I'm like to have challenges and I like to yeah. Improve. <laughs> so you said the microclimate, is it important to keep the mood happy regardless of the wins or losses? Yes, of course. Of course, especially in WTA Tour, I think it's one of the <laughs> major things. I think you're probably right. How does it differentiate between coaching an ATP player and a WTA player? Uh, I think now it's a bit different because I was uh, a bit young and I was like studying a lot from the older coaches when mm -hmm. I was traveling with Alex, but it was a huge experience for me. And uh, here is a bit different. Now I'm a head coach and working with uh, such a nice player. So it's a different story. Yeah, you hit the jackpot, didn't you? Um, you're obviously working the mental side of with Yelena Ostapenko. Are you also doing her fitness? Are you booking the courts? Are you doing the travel? Or does she have someone else to do all that stuff? And you're just doing the tennis? I'm just doing the tennis because we have the fitness coach with us. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, we have the manager side covered. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So everything doing their part of the job, so I'm just doing tennis job. You can just concentrate on what you're yes, really good yes, at. Yes. Um, and obviously engaged to Luda, how does that make a difference in the equation? Because obviously there's three of you in the relationship and your singles focus is on Yelena, your doubles focus is on Ludmilla and Yelena. Uh, I'm mostly sing focused on the singles. Okay. Yeah, mostly focused on the singles and uh, uh, helping, of course, Luda. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but um, we are not practicing like together like the doubles game because Alona mostly involved in the singles matches. Okay. So we do, of course, some exercises for Luda with the doubles drills and everything. But yeah, it's going like this. And what's the overall plan for 2024? We're sitting here at the Australian Open. Have you got sort of the next month or two devised or have you got a plan for the whole year, essentially with changes maybe to be made? 
We will see how it goes. Yeah. So far, so far, the season started unbelievably good for both of them, for singles and doubles. So we will see how it goes. So everything is fine. For, for everything is amazing, not fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's so moment. good. Well, that's a great way to end. Uh, Stan and Slav, thank you very much for speaking with us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. I've known Stan for a while. He's a real nice guy. He's been a kind of a staple on tour for a long time now when he's worked with Marta Kostyuk. And as he mentioned before that, he was with uh, a really talented uh, Ukrainian male, uh, Alexander Dolgopolov, who was an exceptional player. And uh, he's always a really nice, humble guy um, and has had a lot of success, I think, in a second stint now with mm. Yelena Ostapenko. But also we we knew him. He worked about a year ago, I believe it was, he said, with Marta Kostyuk. So we've spent a lot of time on the court with him. And, you know, he always seems to have success and uh, he's doing a great job. And and obviously his fiance, uh, uh, Kitchenok, she's one of the doubles players. Um, she's a really, really, both the girls, uh, Ludmilla and Nadia, really nice girls, very respected and very good doubles players. And, and, and actually, to be honest, we're both very good singles players in their own rights as well. Maybe just didn't have things go all their way, but... Yeah, no Stan very well, and um, he's a he's a good person to have around on the tour. Now, obviously, it's uh, difficult as a coach-player relationship because we know Ostapenko. Anyone who's watched her can tell that I think she'd probably agree with you. She, she demands an awful lot of both herself and her team. You can see a lot of eye-rolling and a lot of disagreements with the electronic and uh, umpires as well. But he seems to really enjoy it. Yeah, I think it shows you what different personalities connect and what you know, what some people are willing to do in pursuit of, of I suppose, success. Mm. Um, I think there's a fine line between disrespectful players and and then also just knowing your players, because I think there's certain times if you watch Magda and me on the court, you would say that doesn't look good or this is a bad look or Magda's not respectful or Mark's being too, too difficult with her. So, you know, so much of the stuff is about is what's between them and they obviously have a great agreement. There's an, there's no easy job out here. There's yeah. no coach walking around here that's having no problems at all. Everything's always nice. They're always winning. There's no drama. Every single one of us is dealing with problems, just different problems. And I think that's where your integrity as a coach and a person and your ethical code and all these kinds of factors come in. I think you could say working with Andy Murray probably isn't the easiest job if you're sitting in a box during his match. However, you know, you also get the, the 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 positive side of that is you're working with a world class player who who's a great competitor and it's a pleasure to watch him play. So it just depends. I think everyone's different on that and it seems to work for them. Yeah, and I think there are no easy jobs like you say. There aren't that many jobs, are there, of coaching really good players because we know financially a female really has to be in the top hundred to be making decent money and therefore paying the coach decent money as well. So difficult, I would imagine, for him, but he seems to like the challenge of her personality. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's really not easy out here and these girls are all fighting for every inch, you know, that they that they can. I think an important part as well is when you're a coach of a player that you mustn't coach against your personality or against your character. You've got to coach in a way that mirrors your personality. So Stan, from my observations from a distance, is he's quite a relaxed guy. He's a very, you know, an easy guy to be around. He's not going to cause too many problems or drama. He's 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 this personality. So for him, it's probably, or maybe it's it just looks that way, but he seems to be able to let things come off like a water mm. off a duck's back, so to speak. 
whereas other coaches like myself, it's it, it would be more difficult. So it's it's a real personality thing. But I think that's where you have to coach within your own personality. And that's one of the dangers when young coaches are starting out. Maybe they have mentors or they're trying to learn the game. Uh, it's very important, though, that you're, you mold your coaching style and philosophy around your own character. Because if you're a very relaxed person, trying to be a coach that cracks the whip all the time won't work and yeah. vice versa. A player, for example, is struggling or going through a rough phase. It's the time where they really need to be led, whereas sometimes it's a time to sort of guide them and encourage them. For example, recently with Magda, we've been sort of trying to become a little bit more, trying to lead the way a little bit. She's been needing someone to be, take on the role of the driver, so to speak, giving her specific instructions and leading her. Whereas when things are going great, when she's in the zone, it's more about guiding her. It's almost, you know, the old proverb, give a man a fish, feed him for a day, teach him to fish, feed him for a lifetime. Mm. I think that's a little bit what it is in coaching. It's in an ideal world. I just want to lead her to the answer because then she'll be able to come back the next day or the next week or the next month if things aren't going well or if they are, even if they are, and know why it's going well, know why it's going bad and figure out how to do it. Whereas sometimes if they're a little bit more fragile for whatever reasons, confidence is low, that's where they want instruction. Tell me what to do and I will do it. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a really important part of, of coaching and that's where, you know, obviously Stan and, and Yelena have a real good relationship there and are able to read each other. Yeah, it's really interesting because that was something that Craig Tizer, the former coach of Ash Barty, said, and uh, we're going to run that interview in a few weeks. He said, actually, you want to sort of coach yourself out of a job so that they can uh, make the decisions by themselves. A tricky one, of course. Um, blindsiding you slightly by this question, but any thoughts on the David Witt-Jesse Bagula split? That was a bit of a surprise to me. Yeah, I think it was a, a little surprising to most people in the tennis business, but if if you're surprised by it, you're probably not paying attention because mm. there are no surprises in tennis, right? Any Anyone is is on the chop. Any coach is always on the chopping block at any time. I think that, you know, they had a great relationship. They had a great run together. I know David well. I know Jessica. I should say I know David. I know Jessica really well. She lives in Boca as well. Really good people. Unbelievable run. Yes. And the results they had, I think it's going to be hard to top those results. And it's going to be a difficult job from that respect for the next person that takes over. But what a great person to work with she would be. She's probably the nicest girl on the tour. And I'm sure David's going to have no problem based off of his resume with Venus and Jessica now finding mm. a new job. From what I understood, it was Jessica that instigated the termination of their relationship. Yep, that's Maybe what I understood as well. well yeah, maybe it's time that she felt that maybe it was, you know, she's getting to, I don't want to say twilight, but she's getting towards the later stages of her career. Maybe there's one or two tricks that I want to try or, you know, yep. just different voice. explore some different, different voices because obviously now she's become a mainstay in the top 10, top five. So that has been achieved. What do I need to do to get to the next level? I think it's a brave decision. Time will tell if it's the right decision because so often I see players saying, "Well, I've, I keep I can't get past the quarterfinals, quarterfinals, quarterfinals. I need something new to change." No, sometimes you just need to keep kicking the door, you know, keep making the yeah. quarterfinals, and eventually but it how will do come you know? down. <laughs> you don't know, and that's and that's where she's she's been brave and courageous to make that decision because it's not easy. Because I also knew that they had a very good relationship off the court. Mm. You know, they like to play golf together. They were, you know, they were very close. So it's not an easy decision. 
And it's going to be, I would imagine, the next few months for her will be very tough because, you know, when you break up with a coach you've been with for, I think, five years, something like yes, that. Yes, five years, that's right. It's going to feel like losing a family member, really. So it's, it's you know, it's a whole new thing. But sometimes I think comfort is the biggest enemy of success. You know, good is the enemy of great. And I think that she, this will maybe put her in a slightly, you know, Comfort, and I think that's from both sides, right? That's sometimes the worst thing as a coach we can do is get comfortable. Right. And the worst thing we can do as a player is get comfortable because that doesn't breed success and improvement and growth yeah. and all those things as as it is. You're all about the sayings today, Mark. I'm very impressed. You just inspired me today. Candy. I don't know where. <laughs> I tend to do that to people, and I'm very much joking. Um, yeah, we'll see how that goes, and it must be a, a professional decision, mustn't it? Not a personal one, and for her to get. I suppose, a little bit closer to winning a major. We also know that Pagula's been working a little bit with Andy Roddick on her serve. So he's also been working with Coco Goff. So, uh, you know, if Magda has any service problems, he might be your first call. Well, you're you're, you're giving me news there. So you, did you say Jessica was having work? Well, I knew Coco was with Andy. Yes, Jessica, Jessica apparently. Well. That's right. Wow. Wow. That's so interesting. I, I, I didn't know that. That's interesting. I'd be interested to see if if it's if it's beneficial for them because i think that for whatever reason in tennis there's a stigma attached to to coaching and that you know i would imagine that the reason they've gone to him for coaching on the serve is because he had a great serve yes but i don't necessarily always think that um because you can do something well means you can show others how to do it well it seems that in tennis for whatever reason there's always that it's an industry standard well you know what level did you play at as a coach what level did you you know, and whereas in other sports, maybe you look at the, you know, whether it's soccer and Alex Ferguson or Bill Belichick in the NFL and these, um, the coach of the Miami Heat, whose name's just Eric Spalestra, they were never top players, never really anything in their sport. But in tennis, it's always very um, interesting that it still seems to be a sport that requires coaches to have played at a level. Um, yes. But I'm interested to see how it works. And if it, I'm sure he has. A, a lot of great knowledge and insights. I'm, I'm just, um, yeah, I, I have my, 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 the ju- the jury is still out for me on that. Well, we'll see uh, when when Jessie comes back. Is she in Doha? Have you seen her? Because she was she was ill, wasn't she, at the Australian I, Open? Then pulled no, out. Jessie, uh, Yeah, she's not playing here. I don't know about Dubai, but I know she she didn't play last week in Abu Dhabi or here. Mm. Um, I think she's suffering for some from a little bit of illness after Australia. She looked pretty yeah. sick. I think uh, it was one of those that got the flu. Exactly. So, um, you know, I mean, it's, I mean, look, she's that's the one thing I think people that watch TV, they don't appreciate what a grueling schedule it is for the players. Even when you and I discuss it, it's so difficult. It's so long and um, it takes a toll. And at some point, something's got to give, you know, people talking about even, for example, Maria Sacra, or she's struggling a little bit. Yeah, but or, or even the, the, the crazy one to me is Novak. Is he in trouble now? <laughs> yes, yeah, that's ridiculous. Are these people expecting that you just continue winning and winning until you die or until the last day you play? It's at some point what goes up must come down. And mm. uh, I don't know, you know, I think people don't appreciate how good these players have been for that long. I mean, Jessica's been top 10 for a good for a few while years now. now. Yeah, she has. And that's unbelievable. I mean, I talk about Magda's biggest achievement for me is staying in the top 100 for eight years in a row. Which I mean, is Jessica's incredible in, in itself. Right. Anybody and, who's played the game at any top. kind of level knows how difficult that is. And to do it eight years in a row is just insane. It's incredible. And that, you know, not to drop out with injuries or bad spells of 
form. You know, Jessica, like I said, it's three or four years now she's been up at the top. I, mm. I'd need to check the numbers, but it's something like that. Yeah, and, no, you're um, absolutely right. And, and she's a top five stalwarts, isn't she? We know she's going to get to the quarterfinals and majors almost every time. She very rarely loses to people she shouldn't. That, that's exactly right. That one there is huge, that she always tends to beat the players below her. Mm. And then everything else, you know, the players rank the same or a little bit higher. That's, you know, that's up for grabs. But it, she's unbelievable how how consistent she's been. Um, yeah. And she should be commended for that. And David, for his job, you know, I think he won Coach of the Year Award last year or the year before. So, you know, he's obviously been recognised by by others for what he's done with her. Yeah, I think it was a couple of years ago. David, as you said, will find no problem finding uh, somebody. I, w I wonder if he'll actually head to the ATP Tour. Be interesting to see him with someone like Brandon Nakashima. See what he could do with uh, with him. But uh, we shall see. Watch this space. All right, Mark, we'll leave it there. Good luck in Doha. We'll catch you in Dubai. That's next week. Uh, and I hope everybody enjoyed our conversation with Stanislav Kamarski, the coach of Yelena Ostapenko. She's got eight career titles now. I wonder if she'll win any more in 2024. You certainly wouldn't put it past her, would you? Absolutely not. Thanks, Candy. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And don't forget, uh, you can also contact Mark or ask him a question at DOAPTC. We're on Twitter, also known as X. Thanks for listening and speak to you again next week.